0: hey everybody welcome back to the warrior edu podcast i am so happy to be here this afternoon with leah and harrison again how are I have you like
1: Leah? extra guests all the time now i'm
0: <laughs> having the extra guest. i can't wait you know he's going to grow up in the podcast and just you know he'll be he'll just grow up knowing what kind of questions to ask and wanting to pipe in right. all the time i love I know, it i was
1: thinking the other day about like each intro to the episode is like the impending day that he's coming like we're like is he here yet oh nope leah's still on the podcast oh nope leah's still here and then i was gone a little bit and now i'm back with baby in tow so Mm. yeah i know and some people i think think he's gonna grow up on zoom too before like they can actually Uh. meet him so
0: (laughs) so true so true well i'm glad you're here and uh you know i always know that um when you are here and show up on screen it, it you may have to run so that, that's fine right now he looks very content for our viewers uh, our listeners i mean you can't see harrison but he is uh, content right now although he's awake and if you know anything about babies that could change at any second
1: correct he goes from <laughs> zero to 60 i say all the time so
0: yeah 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 well i'm super excited this afternoon to invite in our guest this afternoon on the podcast, McHenry High School English teacher and newspaper advisor, Dane Erbach. Dane, how are you, my friend?
2: I'm doing okay. It's, uh, it's been a long day, but I'm very, very excited to be here too.
0: A long day, yeah. <laughs> I think that every teacher can um, understand and really feel that, especially on a Friday during a pandemic. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, and like you know, today is a due date for um, this really. So, in addition to like spending a, a cleanup day, uh, like with career research papers, which some of them are like ten pages and stuff, um, I'm now fielding a hundred questions too about how do we turn it in? What are we supposed to do? And you know, like, so it's just been a long one.
0: But I'm excited. I'm happy. And I'm ready to ready to talk with you guys for sure. Oh, that's good. That's good. Well, I mean, we're glad you're here. So let's dig in. I mean, we have, uh, looking forward to this conversation and, um, for our listeners out there who may not know, um, a whole lot about you, Dane, I mean, what, what can you tell us about your, you know, your just your, your educational journey. I mean, how, how'd you get started in this gig and have you been anywhere other than uh, McHenry high school and, and that kind of thing?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, I, I am not from one of those families where like everyone is a teacher and I am not one of those people who, uh, who like played teacher as a kid and stuff like that. Um, when I was in high school, I was a punk rock kid and had like blue hair and was in a like a, a fast skate punk band. And I was a real art nerd. So I was in all the art classes and I carried, um, you know i I feel dated saying this, but I'm like a millennial, so I'm not that old <laughs> so but I did carry around like a film camera and um I was in a marching band and an orchestra, so I was like a a creative nerd and um and when I went into college, I went to Lake Forest College, so i was I wasn't that far away um i I started doing a lot of writing and um a lot of art stuff. So I was a columnist in the school newspaper. Mm. And I like worked in the art building in their slide library, which is this place where uh, they kept like literal slides of all the famous paintings for their slide projectors. And there was like a whole room committed to like, (laughs) all of this stuff. So I spent two years in there. And, um, and I was in art classes and I was studying postmodernism and I was like writing this slice of life journal, journalism like newspaper column and, um, and somewhere I had this weird, I think I was in a class that I hated. And I had that, this moment where I had realized that for probably several years, I had been daydreaming during boring classes of what I would do if I were the teacher. Ah. Yeah, and I know that's very pretentious, isn't it? That's like the wrong way into the, into the, into the field, perhaps, but I, I just, and well, you know, I also, and, and by contrast, I had this other teacher, she was like a, my African-American lit teacher, and she was so awesome and engaging, and so like on, the, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I was bored out of my mind at eight in the morning, and on, on Wednesdays and Fridays, I was like learning stuff, like learning about this kind of literature that I just didn't have enough exposure to from this teacher who was amazing. And I just had this weird like crack of like recognition, like, hey, I could be a teacher. Yeah. Um, But I was, you know, I had black nail polish and I uh, listened to music that nobody liked and I was kind of a weird looking kid on campus. And so when I walked into the education program and said, I wanna be a teacher, what do I do? Uh, they were like, oh, slow down there. Are you sure you're right for this? And, and I had a lot of people kind of question me. Um, the thing that I think is funny about teaching though is like up until my the end of my sophomore year of college, when I like walked in the door of the Lake Forest College Education Department and asked them if I could apply, um, I literally didn't think about education as a career path even a little bit ever, not even once. Wow. And then... And then I stumbled into this field that I, where I felt like it all made sense and like it had been waiting here for me all along. And, um, and I felt like I had found a passion. So, and which is weird too, because I was, you know, when I was in the education department and going through like student teaching and all these internships and all of these like uh, experiences and getting observations in and stuff. I was surrounded by this like cohort of other teachers, many of which like started like, hey, I'm a golden apple scholar. And I'm, you know, like I'm, you know, my parents have been teachers for years and they're principals Mm -hmm. and stuff. Like very few of us survived the rigors of that program. And for some reason, the weird punk rock kid was one of them and Yeah. So, so that's kind of like the fun part of my college and my teacher training journey is that like, um, you know, I felt very comfortable in front of people of, in front of my students. I learned a lot about multiculturalism because, um, a lot of my educational experiences or a lot of my, uh, preparatory experiences were in Waukegan and, um, and in other areas where, uh, where I was the only white person in the bill, uh, in my classroom, you know, um, and uh, it was, it was kind of neat that I, I, my, my teacher prep kind of prepared me to be around diverse, diverse learners. So, and then, uh, and then I went to Lake Forest High School for my student teaching, mm. which was not very diverse at all. No. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, I'll never, I'll never forget that, like, um, my the day I went and interviewed with my cooperating teachers, I brought my girlfriend who became my wife and she was hanging out in Lake Forest, which is, you know, a pretty wealthy town for those people who don't know. Um, it's one of the wealthiest towns in, in the state. Um, she was just hanging out waiting for me to finish my interview and like um, Jennifer Aniston walked by with, um, gosh, who was he, she dating? Um, that one guy who was in that, oh, he was kind of like a goofy guy. I'm not gonna remember his name, wow. um, but so- uh, she just walked by. She's like, "I could have tripped them," and I'm like, "I'm glad you didn't." <laughs> um, gosh, his name is at the tip of my tongue. Um, but when anyway, like my uh, in my freshman class that I was student teaching for, um, Bill Paxson's son was in it. Wow, um, he's like you know like was like the guy that you know it <laughs> was like the main head coach of the Bulls at the time or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, I also was a lunch mom during wow. this time. And I was, uh, so I drive this, like my bands beat up, beat up van to uh, Bannockburn school, which is like a middle school and elementary school. And I just handed out milk cartons to the kids <laughs> and helped them get onto like um, playgrounds. And uh, one of the stories I like to tell from that too, is that uh, I, there are there only a couple like kids that weren't just like white, like upper class kids. Um, but they were black upper class kids and they were really friendly. One of them was older, he was a little standoffish, but the younger one, her and I like hassled each other all the time. And one day um, a kid said, oh, uh, so-and-so's dad came to their basketball game over the weekend. I'm like, who cares? (laughs) And they're like, what do you mean who cares? It's Michael Jordan. And I'm like, oh, I've been hassling Michael Jordan's kids for the past like two or three months. And it was actually really wow. funny that uh, so like being in Lake Forest and in the North Shore was kind of a trip because like, you know, like I never knew where, like, I never knew whose kid I had in my class. And
1: wow. talk about but, some like, you know, high pressure parent phone calls.
2: <laughs> right. Oh, thank goodness. I never like I was so early in my experience. I never had to deal with them, too. So it was uh, it was good. Um, so, yeah, um. You know, if I'm talking too much, sorry, I'm oh, getting good, too good. into any of this oh, stuff. Oh, I love it. It's right, really great. Curious. Um, right after college, I started teaching at, um, at Highland Park High School, which is just the neighboring city to Lake Forest. And, and it was definitely one of those like, oh no, we need a teacher. <laughs> and, it's, and it's midway through August. Can we hire someone like a week before the school year starts? And so that's how I got my first job. And it was part-time teaching and I taught freshmen. And um, and it was really great. I loved being in Highland Park at, at that school. Um, they do a lot of really neat things there. Like they have an arts week where they invite all of these different like creative people from all over the world, but really in the surrounding community to come in. And they're like voice actors or like editorial board members of the Chicago Tribune or famous writers. And and it was just sort of neat. Like that school embraced a lot of cool stuff. And I, you know, I. Did, I'm sure all of us can agree that some there's something about the first years of students that you have mm. and something about how you never forget them. You know, you may forget some of their names, but like it's their faces and they're, the way they kind of put this blind faith in you, even though like you're not a seasoned um, or even a uh, trustworthy teacher yet. Um, but I did get let go after my second year there because um, they were reorganizing the principals, and some stuff happened in the department that kind of knocked one person uh, down the ladder, which kind of knocked me down the ladder, and I got kind of shoved to the wayside, <laughs> um, which was which, which is fine. But I you know I I do think back of at what Highland Park kind of made me. You know I was in this really rigorous teaching program. And then I was in this really like low-income school district and this really high-income school district. And then I, you know, like being in this really well-off school district for my first two years was really powerful and it taught me a lot. And then I had a choice. Like I could have, I got um, offered two jobs at the same time, one at Glenbrook North, I think, or Glenbrook South, one of the two, and at McHenry. And because I went to um, Cary Grove and because I grew up in the area, um, I just felt like it was coming back home to come Mm -hmm. to McHenry High School. So I've been at West since, what, 2008? Summer 2008 is when I started. Uh, So it's, what, this is my 13th year? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Lucky 13 in in 2020. Mm -hmm. And uh, and, uh, since then, I've been really, I've done a lot at West Campus. I... um, have been like the, uh, I've, I've taught a lot of honors freshmen. I started there. I took a long 10 year break from teaching freshmen or like eight year break where I pretty much taught half of the senior electives and a lot of the senior classes, English one, I'm sorry, English four and cultural studies. Um, and then I got into like creative writing and, and all of that jazz. Um, and then I got back into freshman, and I've been doing that a lot lately. And uh, I somewhere, I think it was my second or third year, they sort of said, hey, you know how to use Adobe in, in design, you get the yearbook. So I did the yearbook for a decade where I helped make it a, um, a, a best in state award-winning program. And then uh, I was past the newspaper last year. And uh, so that's been kind of my, my one of my passion projects And uh, here at the school as well. So that's that's kind of the short and long version. And the only little thing I'll add to all that is that in the summer, I uh, I teach at a gifted and talented program mm. at Northwestern University. So I I started that in college. I was a TA for the, the program um, in like 2005 and 2006. And then um, I got hired there. And I think it was like my sixth or seventh summer, just this last summer, I teach creative writing to middle schoolers and um and i uh teach fan fiction wow which is kind of nerdy but it's kind of fun too well, it kind of um,
0: fits with everything you've talked about dane i mean from from back when you were in high school you know um this punk rock kid and this art nerd you know and then it it kind of fits with what you're what you what you're doing right now if you know yeah. I mean, and you,
1: which we left out of your you know we left a lot out of your introduction now with listening to your whole story but
0: we speaker. also left
2: out staff infection drummer which yeah. Not alive. yeah you're a For musician
0: sure. still right yeah there's and you know and i think that's
2: the weird part about being a teacher is like i have this like all of those things I was into when I was in high school, I'm still into and I express them in a lot of different ways, uh, but they're all really like compartmentalized and apart from being a teacher, because like, I don't wanna like, like when I when I was in a regular band, like the last thing I wanted to tell my students was, hey, we're playing a show this weekend, you should come out and see us, cause that's very weird. And yet somehow they'd find out and still come and see us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the last, you know, I run a record label, which is a like, a little passion side project thing that I have. And I work with a lot of bands all across the country. And the last thing I want to tell them is, hey, go buy one of my records, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like, these are things that are so like, you know, ingrained into who I am. And yet, I don't really work it into who I am as a teacher either, because they're just, they're different parts of who I am. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I want to get into
1: Is a good like merging of the two though, you know, like Mm -hmm. where they can come, we ask them to come see a show at Battle of the Bands, you know?
2: Yeah, and it's a place where I get to be, um, I get to, you know, when I was in high school, I felt like I had all of these passions that, um, because I was a weirdo kid, like never came to the forefront, very few people, and very few of my teachers ever knew about it. And um, I feel like Staph Infection is the best example, you know, being a part of an all teacher band, um, that plays, maybe even if it's just once a school year, right? it becomes this sort of like way for me to to cross the streams in that Ghostbusters-y kind of way and uh, for my students to see that I'm I'm more than just like I mean now I'm more than just a box on their computer screen you know what I mean so I remember one time a
1: kid told me that they thought it was weird that they imagined me brushing my teeth like a normal person and I was like well, I'm, aren't you glad I brushed my teeth? Like, <laughs> but, but they don't see us as like real people. Like right, in, right. my teacher slept at school when I was in elementary school. And then, so I think when they see staff Infection performing, I think it's like, wait, they know how to like do something besides teach too. And I think yeah. you're, you do a lot of things outside of your teaching job too, Dane. So it's awesome. Yeah.
0: Well, I think they'd be surprised, you know, and I, I think it's really critical to, to bring up, um, you, you brought up a whole bunch there that I just really, I really love. And if we had more time, I'd love to unpack some of that. But, you know, I think it's really critical for, for, for listeners to hear that, you know, how you, as you put it, stumbled into this field. Like you, you didn't, you didn't it, it, it sounds like you didn't really know what you wanted to do. Um, and, you know, I, I, can, I can commiserate or not commiserate, but I can relate because I, I had no idea what I was going to do either and stumbled into junior college and and still had no idea what I was going to do until I was like 22 and then realized that, hey, yeah, um, it was just based on one person's comment who also happened to become my future wife. And she's like, yeah, you're, you're really good with kids. And I'm like, I am? i mean i enjoy i enjoy being around kids so maybe i'll give that a shot you know but uh but to also hear that now um you you've hung on to a lot of those you call them passion projects and i heard that a couple times out of your mouth you know you you, That you still do those things, you know. You still music is still important to you. Writing is still important to you. Your your the what you're doing in 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 school here with the uh, the yearbook and and the and, and the newspaper allow that kind of creative outlet for you. Have you felt like that's been a creative outlet, like doing newspaper, doing yearbook?
2: Yeah. So, um, so like I feel like. I I did I guess I didn't go into college, not really sure what I was doing. I really actually had a pretty clear idea of what I wanted to do when I went to college and it had to do with something creative. And I thought maybe it could be art or photography, but it was probably definitely writing. And I, you know, I've known for a really long time that writing is my passion and it's a thing I wanted to do. It was just in college that I realized that I probably wouldn't be a professional writer and that I probably wouldn't be a novelist because novelists in like, in the, in the old sense don't really exist anymore. You know, people who write books are, are a million other things too. Um, and so being a teacher, I guess the decision that I made to be a teacher had to do with like, well, if I'm not gonna be a novelist, then maybe I can help other kids find their passion. Maybe I can help them find their thing. Like maybe they would come into my classroom and they would um, learn to love literature or they'd learn to be become passionate reporters, or they'd learn the politics, or they you know they'd learn to that um, that there's more to being um, you know being in an English class than just reading. Maybe there's the writing side, or maybe it's bringing stories to life in a movie. You know, like I just I guess I think of all of this stuff, mm. and I think that's like kind of the backbone of who I am as a teacher is that I want to inspire other kids to kind of follow the things that they love to do and to discover or or just like that little spark of something i'll give you a quick example um, i have this freshman who so far has just been another square on the screen right and there's i've got 30 in each of my classes that's yeah. a lot of screens i can i have to flip back and forth between them all all zoom meeting and um and she kind of just like like we're writing our career papers, I'm working on the newspaper and we're like, shoot, we really need some illustrators. We need some photographers. We need some kids who want to like contribute to the newspaper. So I just send an email out, hey, you're writing a career paper <laughs> about being an illustrator, about being a photographer or like, do you want to contribute to the newspaper? And this, this one girl, she's like, yeah, that would be cool. I, I like to draw and I'm like, oh, cool. Do you draw anything like, do you have an Instagram where you've drawn something? She's like, yeah, let me share it. And she shares it and I'm, oh my gosh, she's amazing. She's like an incredible artist. And she so far has just been a quiet kid who's just been listening and paying attention in Mm. class. Not a kid who's been on my radar because she's not a kid who needs help all the time and hasn't been struggling. And um, so she's drawn like two or three things for the newspaper already. Now we haven't published all of them yet, but we got to publish like her little bio earlier this week with her drawing and that she whipped up out of nowhere. And it was just like, it was the very definition of how like, I hope that through the newspaper and through a little bit of encouragement from a teacher who cares, like she can like, like draw for Cartoon Network, or she can like Mm. draw the cover of, you know, the Atlantic, right? Or something really cool like that. I think that would be so awesome if like, if some of her passion started in my classroom.
0: Wow.
1: Reflecting on what you're saying here and talking about your passions and about when you introduced yourself and you're like, I wasn't one of those people that like knew I wanted to be a teacher and like, you know, played teacher when I was little. And I think that sometimes some of the best teachers didn't know going, you know, forward that they, when they were young, they want to be teachers, but they had a huge passion. And then when you're able to share that passion in your classroom, I think that that is like, you know, one of the hallmarks of a great teacher, whether you knew you want to be a teacher or not, then when you do come to that realization, if you have that huge passion that you love. I mean, that was kind of how I was. I really loved learning about science and the human body and thought it was so cool. And I thought being a doctor would be a great way to you know, do that, but then I soon realized that that wasn't what I wanted to do and it wasn't successful path for me. And I came to a point where I was like, "Hmm, what should I do? And it was being a TA for one of my classes that really got me excited about teaching and sharing that. And so I feel like hopefully that passion is why i love teaching and it wasn't that i had a passion for teaching necessarily that i realized at first it was i had a passion for something else that then i wanted to share with people and that's where my passion for teaching came
0: yeah and i think it's critical what you said to dane through a little bit of encouragement and and, and the, the right push from a caring teacher you know that 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 kid is going to go on and do something great and you think about that it's just such a powerful statement all i mean everybody who's ever done something great has probably been as a result, at least a little bit from the encouragement of a teacher who cares, right? The power, the power of a teacher is a, is a power unlike any other. And it will continue to be that way. No matter what, no matter what you talked about, um, you know, your, uh, the yearbook and how it was, you did that for 10 years and, um, over time, you can correct me on the timeline, but it was eventually um, you developed it into an award-winning publication. So so I'm curious what your goals are for the newspaper. I mean, you're, you're the newspaper advisor now. I mean, maybe you don't. I mean, I'm sure you do have goals for it. Um, but but I, I don't know if you ever saw the yearbook developing into this award-winning publication, or was it just like a, holy cow, we've got something really great here. Cause well, so I see this thing and if you've never seen the McHenry high school yearbook in the last 10 years or so, it's a, it's an, it's an amazing, amazing, amazing book. It really is. Dane. It really is.
2: I appreciate that. I mean, you don't get like, you, you only hear the negatives of the yearbook. <laughs> like uh, people only uh, want to tell you when like you spelled their name wrong. Oh, and stuff sure. so. It's nice to hear the good things sometimes too. And Mitch Stengel, who I know is on recently, yeah. uh, He's doing, he's picked up where I've left off and he's brought a lot of new energy yeah. to it he's too. Really nice. So, but I will say the yearbook for me was easy because it was not a great yearbook when I grabbed it. Now, I don't, that is, I don't mean to sound like kind of mean, but like the standards of yearbook had like changed in for, and for a decade, uh, hadn't changed. The book hadn't changed. Um, whereas you know, like, (laughs) you know, there was, there was, we, somewhere along the way, yearbooks became more like a magazine. And um, I had some magazine writing experience. So I was like, well, let me teach you guys how to write features. And so we went from just being a scrapbook to like, here's some, here's some journalistic features and we're going to write captions for every photo. So like 20 years down the road, when you don't remember that kid's name or what they're doing, (laughs) uh, there's a little bit of story, like, a picture tells a story, but the words that go with the picture fill in the gaps sometimes too that help yeah. that story come to life. So I mean, for me, it was easy because I just I just was was able to do the things that we hadn't been doing and I brought enough of, um, of a design sense to it that I was able to like say, all right, you guys give me some ideas on what we should do. Let me show you how to bring that to life. Let's organize it in the right way. It wasn't, it wasn't too hard the newspaper has been more difficult. And I think part of it, it has to do with, um, part of it has to do with the fact that my my biggest goal is just making it a student publication. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think this probably comes off the wrong way to the wrong person, but like my goal is to literally like just take a step back and be like, you guys do your thing Great, you just sit over here.
1: <laughs> and, I say that all the time for student council. I'm like, it's student council guys, yeah. not advisor council. We gotta do what you wanna do.
2: Right, but of course, if you're if you're an advisor then, you also know that it's, it can never be 100% students. It's always like some percentage one way or another. So my challenge has always been to try to find the balance between um, Pushing students to do their best and do better and not settling and and then, but also letting them decide when they need to push themselves and not settle Um, and, and inspiring them to create versus like creating a little bit and letting them build onto it. And it's, it's sort of, so this is only my second year doing it. And I you know, I think of my second year as being a, news, a yearbook advisor and thinking, oh, that was not a great year. Yeah. Um, but, and my first year was terrible. Um, but but I guess I'm thinking like, I know I've got room to grow and, and my students are gonna have room to grow. And you know, the program has room to grow. I, we're still in a place where um, some students who are not all that interested in newspaper are being put on the newspaper staff because then have a credit they need to fill. And we want to get to a place where like the kids who are getting onto the newspaper staff um, are competing with each other to earn that spot because we want it to be, you know, something sacred and not just a place where kids go to fulfill a credit even though they've never read a newspaper article before. Um, so, so to me, it's really about empowering students I'll give you a real quick example too. Like when there are stories that we think are kind of like interesting stories, Mm. um, when something pops up to me, I might have the knowledge of something that's going on in the school, especially now when there's no one in the school. Um, And I I might just sort of feed it to the kid and say, do you guys want to write about this? <laughs> and usually they're like, oh yeah, this sounds interesting. And sometimes they're like, no, old man, go back, go back <laughs> to where you're, where you're hiding. Um, but, but I do think that that's part of my job is, is to get, is sometimes it's just to feed them ideas and let them jam on the ideas and come up with, like plant the seed, but let them do all the rest of the work to bring it out. And I want to get it to a place where my students don't need me so much. Mm. And I think that's the, my biggest goal. Um, in the meantime, I have to keep myself in check because I really like being part of the newspaper and really like being engaged and having them come up with ideas. And I really like being tapped into politics and being tapped into like the events going on in the school around us. Um, sometimes it's gotten me in trouble. And <laughs> And I want to, but I want, I, I, I think that's why I loved, you know, the newspaper has brought, has revitalized me as a teacher because mm. I love being part of it. Um, but I also know that I need to take a step back and that being a good teacher in this area means empowering my students and not being the powerful person in the room. So...
0: Oh, wow, that that's that's phenomenal. I think that's, um, you know, I hear that, you know, and I, I think that that that's that might be the goal for for education, right, is to is for them not to have to need you, right? We want to push them out there and make sure that they know how to fly. You know, I love that. That's a great mentality. Dane, what th- throughout your throughout your career? I mean, I'm sure you must have in- encountered at least one challenge. I mean, not everything could have been easy for you. Right. Um, I've never had any yet in my career, but maybe you, could share, maybe you can share, you know, just a challenge in education and, and kind of how you dug yourself out of that. Or maybe you're going through something right now. That's a challenge and you're, you're trying to work that out. I mean, what, what would that be if we, if we asked you that?
2: Yeah, I'll, I actually was thinking about this and so I'll come up, I, I came up with a couple examples. I'll try to be concise with them. Um, the first one was when I was not a teacher yet. Um, mm. Which I know sounds, you know, it's like not right, the right exact answer, but it was really difficult when I um, started my very first teaching experience, um, which was an internship. It technically, technically wasn't student teaching; it was like a practicum or something like that. And um, I had mentioned they they brought. It was important for uh, Lake Forest College to give student uh, give prospective teachers, like a uh, multicultural experience, a diverse experience in the classroom, so I was in Waukegan in a middle school there. Um, And the best part about that was uh, that the challenge was not the students, is what I should say. Although there was all kinds of interesting stories that came out of it, like like I had a gang member in my classroom who like because I was pushing him and trying to help him he he kind of started to like me and one time he like held out his hand and I was like all right and like we like he started like twisting my hand into their gang handshake and I was like no 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 and all of the kids in the class were like don't do you want to get him killed don't do that and I was like what's going on right now (laughs) as the only white person in this room I'm, I'm a little unaware and it was really really but, you know, I saw for what it was, which was mm. an olive branch, you know, these, these things didn't feel like the challenges. These were like the good things. The challenge was my, um, was my cooperating teacher. Mm. Uh, let me rephrase that. Um, my cooperating teacher was pretty good. Um, the challenge was my, my professor and the other grownups around me. Yeah. Okay. Because um, I think they had decided that I was uh, the weird guy with the long black, like heavy metal hair and the black nail polish and um, he just wasn't right for teaching.
0: Mm. And
2: so so I felt like though I was succeeding with my students and though I was connecting with my students and though I did feel like they were learning, um, like my cooperating teacher was like, teach them poetry. I always hate that unit. They never learn anything. So it's like, I'm gonna do this. And I do feel like they learned, I used music, I used music they liked to teach different poetic terms and literary devices and stuff. But I I kept hitting, the roadblock I kept hitting was my cooperating teacher who felt like I wasn't doing it right and I couldn't understand it. And what this taught me was that it was all about feedback, right? How am I supposed to become a better teacher and succeed when I don't understand what I'm doing wrong? <laughs> and when when the feedback I'm getting is all negative, it feels it felt like it was meant to make me drive me out of the profession instead of lean further into the profession, which of course um, I had learned to like teaching, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And so it drove me deeper into it. You know, I I had a lot of really bad days not because of my students they were the ones that brought me up but because of the (laughs) grown-ups that were like that were trying to make me feel like i wasn't right for the profession and that my assessments weren't good i wasn't um i was oh one of the things that uh one of the bits of feedback that i carry with me all the time is um is they i was told that i'm not an entertainer and that i'm their teacher and so i needed to stop trying so hard to be funny Mm-hmm. And I needed to s- stop trying so hard and like I needed to get a little more serious and you know if, if you if any of my students would tell you that I'm kind of act I'm, I'm I try to be a little funny but I'm not like uh, I, I don't want to say I'm funny right but my students laugh a lot in my classroom. Um, they they would also tell you I talk a lot, and of course that was the feedback I was given from my my um, professor too. Is like stop talking and make more room for them. Of course I was making room for them, but I needed to make more room, you know. And these are all really important things that I learned. But I, I kind of resented that feedback. Like you're not you're not there to entertain them, Dane. You're there to teach them, and I kind of couldn't help but realize that part of my teaching approach was to entertain them too. And it was just it came became who I was, and I. And it it took me years to realize, to I carry that feedback around for so long, and it took me years to realize that like, enter, being, engaging them was part of the job. And if I couldn't entertain them a little bit, I could never teach them. Wow. And that, so that was, but, you know, I'm certain somebody out there is listening and is like, no, you, your job is to teach you, not to entertain, But this is just who I became as a teacher is, is somebody that was there to make them laugh and make them think and make them think through their laughter sometimes and you yeah. know, things like that. Um, so that was one of like, the biggest challenges is like, it, it, um, it shaped who I became as a teacher. Yeah. You know? The other challenge though that I'd like to share, and I'm, I'm a little hesitant to share this one because it's very recent, uh, but last year I had a terrible year. And, I, and part of my year last year, it was because of the, of the newspaper, mm. um, which I just talked about as part of, is revitalizing my passion for teaching. And um, the trouble that we had, had to do with, with being in a new role as a, as a newspaper advisor, trying to empower students to write about the things that they cared about mm. and for an, a broad school community but to also play the in-between um, between students and administrators. Because mm-hmm. these administrators had their, you know, principals, superintendents, assistant superintendents, um, had their uh, expectations for what they wanted the newspaper to be. So I found myself in this place where the two sides of the mission were at odds with each other. And this is such an old teacher Problem, Like not a new teacher problem because new teachers aren't always given the keys to like to the um, To the to the big projects, right? They've got to prove themselves a bit So here I am in this proven role of being the newspaper advisor and on the one hand I'm, I'm saying hey kids you want to you're curious about this subject. Well, this is a touchy subject Are you sure you want to pursue this and they're like, yeah, and I'm like go for it and then when we pursue it and it's published, I have administrators saying, why did you guys do that? And it's like, well, they wanted to. And, so, and again, I hesitate to talk a little bit about this because it's contemporary, it's like a current issue um, that's happened in the past year, and because it deals with people in the building right now. Sure. Um, but we also worked it all out. And that's, I think, a big part of it is, is um, what I learned from from empowering my students and being part of a newspaper that's very public. And that is, represents our school and our school community. And is supposed to report on what's, what's important to the school's community and, and reflect its values, but also while sometimes challenging those values and sometimes calling out mistakes and problems. You know, um, the first thing you learn is a, is a, is in journalism is like, is like the, the ethics of journalism. And one of the one of the ethical roles of journalism is to uh, is to call is to hold truth to power, um, and uh, sometimes it's a hard thing to do <laughs> in a school, and it's a hard thing to teach students to do when you know students are not the most powerful people in the building, uh, though perhaps sometimes they should be, and sometimes it's hard to do as the as the in between between students. And administrators. But the thing we've decided, the way I've kind of learned to, to figure this one out is to trust my students. Mm. And um, to talk more with my students and to work more with my students, instead of giving them saying, hey, I've got the keys to this thing, you want to take a ride and hey, throwing the keys to them. I've learned to dry or to ride shotgun with them
0: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and to be like oh wait slow down we're going a little fast here like or asking you know to be to I um Gina Namakutis is my department chair and one of the things that she helped me learn last year was to sit next to them and mm-hmm. and to really work with them side by side instead of like teacher student it's kind of like you know, in that advisor role of literally advising them. So I, I had, one of the notes I keep on my desk now is to think a little bit more about what it means to be an advisor and to help navigate students um, through the process of, of of their stories and their articles and making them really stop and think all along the way, what are the consequences of this being published? Who does this impact? Um, and uh, is, does who needs to know this versus who wants to know this. And there's like all of these big questions that we kind of work them through. Um, At the end of the day, I think that the writers who are with me now, who were with me last year during a stressful transition into a new role uh, are are really strong writers now because they have a sense of things that we didn't have a sense of before. Um, and And so that's part of, you know, I don't, I think I'm, I feel like I'm telling this story in a way that's not giving as many details because you know, because it's a lot of it's a lot of working with current teachers, current administrators, current students. Sure. So I
0: don't want to spill the beans completely, but no, no, no. Your, your point is well taken. And, okay. and uh, <laughs> I, I was there. <laughs> right, right, right.
1: I think one of the examples maybe you're talking about was even with, you know, student council and stuff. And we worked it out. And I think yeah. what was great about it was, you know, because it, it was just talking about homecoming and things like that. And that there's different opinions about homecoming and how that goes. And it gave my student council president the opportunity to write a letter to the editor, something that like they never heard of and never had thought about doing. And it made it like a, a conversation and it made it, you know, open people's eyes up to other viewpoints out there and I think it put the it was a good example of how like you and I talked kind of behind the scenes but then we let our students take the reins and and advocate for themselves and advocate for each other and their club or whatever and and I think it was a cool you know in the in the moment it was high stress and I'm sure both of us (laughs) felt that too but I think it was a good example of like how to work it out and how to responsibly and maturely have a conversation about something that people have different opinions upon. Yeah, so. and
2: you know, I, I think what you're talking about too is really, really cool. You know, being a newspaper advisor, I had no idea because being a yearbook advisor wasn't quite the same level of stress until the very end of the year, but being a newspaper advisor feels like constant stress. When when they, my students want to like write an article about a subject matter that's a little bit, you know, that, that could ruffle feathers. Um, the process of walking them through it is a little stressful because they don't, you don't wanna, you don't wanna ruffle their feathers, right? But then when they're like, we're gonna do it anyway, it's like, okay, so now we're walking them through it in a place where it's gonna ruffle maybe someone else's feathers. And, but here's the thing that I love, um, and Leah, this is, I, you're reminding me of this because though that was a, that was one of the first stressful things that we had to deal with as a staff, but it wasn't, it definitely wasn't the most stressful, but um, but what the, the answer, which is, to me, keeps becoming the answer, is to empower the students. Like, oh, you're not happy with this. Let's write about it, and let's let's use the student newspaper as a forum to to let students um, speak their piece, right? To and uh, and I loved too. Like Leah, I think you and I might have shared we might have emailed each other back and forth once or twice and, and that's all it took because the grown-ups should stay i mean it's hard to say the grown-ups should stay out of it because the grown-ups have to be the advice you know like the guide on the side right sure. but uh but the best stuff happens when this when the grown-ups stay out of it and let the students like give it a shot learn from their mistakes try again um hone their, their skills and abilities as they go. Um, I think the thing that stinks about a newspaper is that students need to make a mistake publicly. And, yeah. Yeah. and, and it's our job, you know, I've had a million conversations like this is my job to incubate that a little bit. You know, we don't want them to literally like embarrass themselves and embarrass the school and embarrass the publication, right? But we also like, it's okay to let them make a mistake see how the public responds and then say, oh, we gotta do this differently. And that is part of the education process of a student publication. Um, but it's also, that's where the stress comes from.
0: I, I love that, I, I love that. You said so much that's so meaningful. Lee and I have had many conversations about empowering students and you, and you said one thing that really stood out to me that I firmly believe that, that we, should, we, we need to be able to do that more. Uh, the students make up the main—I <laughs> mean, the most—the most, the most of, of the population of this of this of any school community, right? It's the students who make up the most number. They're they're the they're the highest number, and so we should be asking them. We should be encouraging them. You said we should be there; they should be in in a, in a newspaper sense challenging values, hold truth to power, and I, I totally agree with that. We are the. Guides on the side who have to while they're formulating um, in their teenage years, we have to we have to teach them how to do that. And and it's it's and what you're doing is is exactly that. I also want to make a point of saying um, to your other example that isn't it funny that it's usually not the students who are the challenge. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. so you know, I've, I've i worked in I've worked in Round Lake, Dane, similar in to a degree to Waukegan. I worked there for ten years, and it was usually not the kids, although they come from some very rough and challenging uh, home environments, and and we, we can work with that. <laughs> um, it's sometimes the adults who are the obstacle to to the to getting um, the, to the challenge solved
2: yeah and and you know the thing too is like like students carry their own problems right and and there are a hundred problems to solve regarding students that students bring to the table every day they're just i think you put it perfectly like we can handle those like we're professionals we can handle them it's when you throw um you know it's and it's grown-ups always have a child's best or they think they have their child's best interests in mind and but the thing that is, is hard is when there's sometimes conflicting interests about what's best for a child. Um, the thing, though, is that I do like about this profession is that despite the grown-ups being the challenge, they're also the places sometimes like we learn incrementally from the kids, but sometimes my biggest wake up calls have been working with other teachers, other administrators, especially with parents, right. Um, we learn a lot by working together. And, and so those challenges are challenges, but they're sure. but they are, but they are challenges. Those are the biggest challenges that I've learned from over the years.
0: Sure, absolutely. And uh, and the good news is, like you said, they. Um, they things were worked out. And I, I think that's the beauty of, uh, of uh, working in, in this district. And hopefully our, our, for our listeners, your, your districts as well, that, that you can work those problems out because they're usually adult problems. So <laughs> Dane, one last question for you as we wrap up here. Um, it's a big one, but it's simple. What are you hopeful for?
2: So I had this weird thing pop into my brain, like probably two hours ago. Mm. Um, and uh, I don't quite remember what provoked it, but I was thinking about what it would be like to watch my students walk into my classroom for the first time this school year, Mm. And, and I realized how happy, like how genuinely happy I will feel And how like, I'll be like, I'll be playing like the game where I'm gonna be like, playing like I'm so excited. Oh my gosh, you're all gonna be in class. And like, oh, it's so crazy to see you for the first time ever in real life. You know, I'd be like hyping that up a little bit. But then I had this sort of realization that like, I wouldn't really be hyping it up that much. Like my excitement to see my students in person this year, will be very genuine. And it's such a weird realization. Cause you know, like I'm always excited about the, at the beginning of a school year and to meet new students and you know, in November or in February, like there are these months where like, it feels sort of like, all right, let's get to the break. Let's get, you know, this year has gone on a while. I can't wait till this is, you know, like to, to the to the finish line is crossed. But, But I'm realizing this year, like, because I'm not with my students and not in the room with them that like that like it feels so weird and different Mm. and like I didn't I don't think I've ever seen myself as this kind of teacher but I'm I'm really missing being in the room with other with with kids it's so wild um I guess like I've always been the sort of teacher who's been like I really love writing and I really love like journalism and I really love photography and I really love sharing those passions and nurturing those passions in other kids, but I guess I'm really missing the kids. Yeah. So the thing that makes me hopeful, this is the longest possible answer, sorry. Um, the, the thing that makes me hopeful is that if not this year, like even if it's gotta be next year, there are my freshmen who I'm gonna eventually see. And they're eventually going to be sitting in desks in my classroom. And I am not going to take them for granted. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. darn it. Uh, they're going to be sitting here at my desk next to me on the weird little roly chair that I have. And we're going to be talking about a, an article that is maybe sensitive and maybe scary for that kid to be writing. But I am not going to take for granted the moment that I, ha- I can sit next to them. And we can, I can put my hands on their computer and they can put their hands on my computer and we can exchange ideas. Wow. And, um, and you know, so that's the thing is like, I, I don't want to say I've taken my students for granted. Um, I, I'm sure I have. And I'm sure every one of us would probably agree at some point that we have, yeah. right? But yeah. what I've taken for granted is the fact that I get to be with them and that I get to play a role in like a physical, corporeal role in like, in like inspiring them. And it's not just what I'm saying, that's inspiring them, but what I'm doing and being with them that's doing it. So I think when we get the thing that brings me hope is that one day we'll be back. And then I'm going to be thinking about my job differently. Because of all of this, you know what I mean? Wow. Wow.
1: Absolutely. I think that's a common theme with everything in this pandemic is taking the things that we used to take for granted and realizing how special they are, like touching another kid's computer and just like the what that represents is that exchange of ideas and everything. And you know, you talk about how that teacher said that you were not supposed to be an entertainer and I feel like in the 3D space it's so you know so much easier to entertain and get them excited and passionate about it because I think teachers should be entertainers and be great actors and things like that um but it's so much (laughs) hard you know I feel like it's there's this the the, the, what do they call it like the fourth the third wall and fourth wall yeah Mm -hmm. that's what I feel like the zoom is sometimes but but And that you're not you're trying to connect through that, but you' it's a lot easier in three d so that, that, uh, that i will
0: I will tell you um there are a lot of really dumb things that uh, that that adults have said to me over the course of my career, and one of the very first ones and you, you know i i started 26 years ago. So it was probably 28 years ago when I was in school. And of course, hearing, um, you know, Jeff, you're a male educator, you got to be careful, you know, not to first of all, not to smile before Christmas. I really was told that. And second of all, do, do, you know, don't put your hands on kids. Like if you have to hug them, I mean, like maybe you could do a fist bump instead or fist bump wasn't, wasn't a thing at the time.
1: They're <laughs> <laughs> <You're> really progressive. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Um, do, you know, um, a high five or a handshake or, or maybe do a side hug or something. But I'll tell you what, I, I'm a hugger and it has never been more apparent to me what I've missed the most. And that is just, if a kid needs a hug, I've said this, you know, I've been an elementary principal, middle school principal, high school principal. If a kid needs a hug, I'm giving you a hug. Watch out. And uh, I've taken, I've, I, I agree with you, Dane. It's not like that we've taken them for granted on on purpose, but you know, I'll be thinking about my job differently too.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to be thinking about like, I'm going to be standing up in front of kids and I'm going to catch myself next year or the year after just like mid sentence, just be like, I'm glad you're here. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And
2: I've always felt that about my students, but I'm going to feel it more. Like, I'm glad that you, we are in a place where we can exchange ideas and where we can collaborate and we don't feel like we have to hide behind a mute button where I can hear you laughing or where I can hear, I can hear your, your, your thoughts as they're coming to you instead of it being filtered through a mute button or a, you know, a chat, (laughs) I just, I'm excited about that. And I think that, um, you know, I I heard a, a, you know, I'm a newsy guy and I I saw an article that said something like one quarter of all teachers are reconsidering their jobs because of the pandemic. Mm. And that's a powerful number but I am not one of them, <laughs> not once. I mean, it's been harder, right, but like I right. could not imagine, like if anything, this pandemic is making me want to hold on longer and be the first in line for a vaccine, even though I'm deathly afraid of needles. And you know, like, it just makes me want to like, it just makes me just, So, bring it a little bit full circle. When, when, my, when I feel like, like student teaching or like being in my, my internship in Waukegan, where my teachers was just like trying to, it just felt like my professors didn't want me to be a teacher. Cause I was weird looking. <laughs> Cause I was like a weird punk rock kid.
0: Wow. And
2: um, in those times where I did, I definitely just felt the vibe. Like maybe they didn't want me to be a teacher. Maybe they didn't feel like I had what it takes and that I couldn't do it. It just made me want to lean in. Yeah. And I feel like the pandemic's causing yeah. the same thing. You know, like I shouldn't want to be a teacher right now, but boy, I'm more excited about what's to come because of the pandemic.
0: Well, we are so glad you do, Dane, and so glad (laughs) to hear that you are not one of those teachers who are thinking about uh, leaving the profession. Uh, We need more teachers like you, and uh, what a great way to end this. the the podcast today to hear your hopeful story and uh i appreciate that so i appreciate
2: you asking me to come on i'm yep. i'm pretty excited about being here so
0: that's so that's so great so um from leah and i both and the warrior edu podcast thank you so much dane we'll be in touch have a great afternoon have a great weekend leah harrison great to see you both
1: good to see you too jeff
0: he made it through
1: he made it he's asleep now
0: good job, Harrison. <laughs> all right everybody thanks again